Oh, yeah, yeah. Long live WA Country Cricket. Welcome to Episode 3 of Out on the Paddock, brought to you by the WA Country Cricket Board and WA Cricket. My name is Rob Marshall, and it's proving to be an absolute joy and an honour to bring to you, our listeners, all the latest in what's happening in WA regional cricket, as well as talk some yarns and hear stories from those who have made, or are still making, WA Country Cricket what it is today. In this episode, we talk WA Country Women's program and opportunities that exist within, what's happening in the northwest with cricket, and finally an interview with a former Australian Test player who started his career playing WA Country Cricket, including Country Week. So sit back and enjoy episode three of Out on the Paddock. To kick off with, uh, he's become a regular on the show. We're going to bring in Steve Philippi now, and Steve's uh, heavily uh, involved at the moment, as we we all are with the uh, all things happening with country cricket. Steve uh, seems to be that cricket's really cranking around the state at the moment. Lots of cricket going on, lots of programs, lots of things happening. Yeah, thanks, Rob. Thanks for having me again. Um, you're right. There's lots happening both locally and uh, lots of inter-association type things happening at the moment. Uh, in places like Kalgoorlie, there were junior inter-association matches with Esperance last weekend, and um, there's more of that to come in the uh, Midwest in Geraldton in a couple of weeks' time. And, of course, we've got uh, the inter-association belt-up country cup that's kicked off in the last couple of weeks as well. Yeah, and I know down down my way here in the southwest, we've got um, in the junior scene the Premier Cricket Competition kicking off, or has already kicked off, and continues this weekend. And also the Cricket Development Program has been fully active as well. So lots of things happening in uh, junior and senior cricket, but it's especially in junior cricket, we're loving the fact that there are so many programs emerging around the state that are engaging with kids in different ways. Just outside of perhaps uh, the normal Saturday morning cricket. Although having said that, of course, we celebrate those Saturday morning uh, cricket competitions and we're thrilled that they're uh, they're in full swing as well. But I want to just spend a little bit of time talking with you about the Country Cup. The Country Cup uh, kicked off uh, a few weeks ago and is well and truly underway. Do you want to give us a little bit of a summation of where we're at right now and where, where it's about to head to? Yeah, uh, call out to Belt Up as well for their ongoing sponsorship of this uh, tournament. Uh, but you're right, Rob, we've had the two rounds now and it's at quite an exciting stage. We've um, seen all four participating teams record one win. We've had some really tight finishes. We've had a couple of real blowout results. But at the end of the day, after two rounds and the competition takes a bit of a pause now, all teams have, uh, have have the one win, so they all have the potential to win their third round clash and, and qualify for the final later in February. For those who aren't aware, the Belt Up Country Cup really sort of took a bit of a pivot about three or four years ago and we spoke briefly about it with um, Tim in our last episode about the importance of how much uh, the Country Cup plays, the Belt Up Country Cup plays in establishing um, the the WA Country 11 and the success that we've had on the back of that. So we're really thrilled that um, the Build Up Country Cup is well and truly established and going along strongly right now. But what's more exciting, I don't think we've had a scenario like we've had, like we've got currently with uh, two rounds in and four teams on on a win each. So uh, February, uh, early February is when uh, the next round happens before the final. And as Steve's just called out, 
every team can still make that final. So we're really excited about that. Steve, has there been any sort of standout performances that you want to call out that's happened across the first couple of rounds? Yeah, two in particular, Rob. So round one, we saw uh, the Invitation Eleven pile on three for 301 against the Albany Cricket Association. And we've had one century maker to date in this tournament, and that was Jack Dawson, who's now playing the Invitation Eleven because he's uh, based in Shark Bay, I think, and, and playing his cricket in the Jolton Cricket Association. But uh, I understand he's an Albany player originally, and I think he might have uh, even played in a – made a 100 for Albany at, at, in the Senior Country Week, it might possibly even a final. I'm a bit vague on the detail <laughs> there, but I, I saw him for the first time. I got to see this 100, 101 not out. Feature of his batting was the way he played the spin and plays a lot of uh, – reverse sweeps and hits the ball really hard, hits it into different areas. So uh, he was the standout in round one. Excellent. And um, I think one of the things that, again, we want to sort of highlight with the Build Up Country Cup is the use of the WA Invitational 11 and the the ability for players who perhaps uh, for various reasons, and there are many reasons, can't get the opportunity to play for their associations, either Albany, Bunbury or Peel, um, it's, a, it's a great opportunity for them to still put their name forward and to perform just like Jack has obviously proven through uh, his opportunity with the WA Invitational 11. So at this stage, Steve, the form guide, I know you're a good horseman, mate. Uh, are you willing to to, to put some uh, odds on who you, you think might make the final or are you just happy that uh, we've got a good even competition happening? Yeah, I wouldn't like to speculate who's going to be uh, playing, uh, which, which teams will have which players. And I suppose in February that's always a little bit hard to read. But uh, before we do move on, Rob, I, I did get to go to a round two fixture as well. The Invitation 11 played uh, the Bunbury and Districts Association team at, at Abbott Park, lovely venue there, and there was another standout performance there as well from Jacob Wintle. He picked up five for 36, but he did actually pick up four wickets in one over, including a hat-trick, and um, it wasn't the sort of hat-trick you might think, you know, the lower order. He picked up batsman three, four, five, and six in his one over. So it was an absolutely incredible piece of cricket and um, was pivotal in, in Bunbury having a very easy win against Invitation 11. I saw some social media from some well-respected re- uh, country cricketers and people involved with that match who were calling it out as one of the most exceptional overs I think they'd ever seen in, in WA country cricket. Um, so, yeah, fantastic performance. I'm not aware of too many uh, hat-tricks in, in the Build Up Country Cup over the journey. So, uh, yeah, exceptional performance. And, uh, look, we celebrate everybody who's uh, participating in that competition, but uh, an outstanding performance like that definitely needs a shout-out. So uh, well done to Jacob. All right, Steve, we're going to call in uh, Chris Zecker now and uh, talk about all things Norwest cricket. So we'll uh, we'll pop Chris on and have a chat to him. <laughs> Great to have you joining us, Chris. Fantastic that you've um, moved up into the Norwest and are taking on uh, all the responsibility of uh, that massive area of WA country cricket. First of all, welcome to Out on the Paddock, but uh, maybe can you give us a little bit of an insight into what your new full-time role up in the Norwest is and, and how it's all going so far? Yeah, thanks, Rob. Um, good to be here. First, My first episode of Out on the Paddock, so exciting times. Um, <laughs> yeah, as you said, just moved into the role in the last uh, six months, I guess, coming from Goldfield to three years. So uh, massive place to cover the Northwest, but some exciting things happening across the board in terms of junior cricket, senior cricket and women's cricket. So some really good things happening. Um, it's an exciting place to visit all the time. A lot of support from 
people on the ground and, and the volunteers out there doing a really good job of keeping cricket nice and strong. So more support we can give them up there, the better, and hopefully we can continue to build the game and, yeah, have some more visits during the season across the whole whole region, which is a big big place to cover, but we'll do our best to do it the best we can. We, we mentioned it in the last episode of Out on the Paddock that um, the newly branded Cricket Northwest is uh, really kicking some goals and has been for a while now. What, what do you think are the things that are making it in the healthy state it is? What, what some of the things that you've observed so far? Yeah, I think some really strong key people from the Northwest Cricket Board doing a really good job of um, building the game and having some strong foundations and um, each of the associations and that having some really key people driving the game, which is really important, um, especially in the, the female game. We've seen women's cricket uh, really explode up there, especially in Grafter, Headland and Newman. So some really good key people on the ground who are really passionate and um, driving cricket locally and, and building the game the best they can. So what what are the main re- what are the main areas up there? We'll talk about Caratha in a moment, and in particular the Norwest Cup. But uh, Port Hedland still very strong with with cricket and and areas around Broome, etc. Yeah, Broome, as you said, Caratha, Newman, and Hedland are probably the four main ones in terms of the cricket associations and the ones we have a, the most contact with. And so they're all doing some really good things. Um, obviously, they've got programs from Cricket Blast through to the junior cricket age groups into senior cr- senior cricket and some female um, programs as well, which is really exciting. Um, lots of little towns around and some remote towns as well. So plenty of space to cover. But Yeah, I think. a little bit different to the goldfields, although you, you, you would have clocked up the Ks out there anyway. So just a, just a little bit more, I'm thinking. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah. there was yeah. still a few Ks there, but um, not quite the distance in between the towns as we do now. So let's talk about um, this amazing event. I watch it with envy every year on uh, on the social media sites, the Norwest Cup, uh, which was held in Caratha recently. Can you tell us a little bit about that, the divisions that were played and the participating teams and how that all finished up? Yeah, it was a really great event and is each year as well. Um, so had the under-14s age group, which the West Pilbara had two teams in um, and Port Hedland came down with a team as well, which was really good. Um, and then in the men's division, senior division, they had teams from Broome, West Pilbara, Newman and Port Hedland. So that was great. And then the, the female in the Desert Rose Cup had the women's, which is the women's section. We had Port Hedland, Newman and West Pilbara as well. So uh, really good to see the three divisions going nice and strong. It's a big commitment, um, but it's one that, yeah, all the teams play with pride, representing their association. So it was, it was a really great event and good to see it for the first time, first hand. So. And I'm pretty sure I saw a bit like what we were just talking about with Steve uh, with the Belt Up Country Cup. There's, there was some standout, there's been some standout performances throughout that program already, but I believe there was a couple. I saw one, I think, from memory on social media that I had to take a second look at. Do you want to tell us about a couple of standout performances in the Norwest Cup? Yeah, there was some pretty amazing couple of batting innings. Um, Callum Howe had a strong couple of games, um, but overall it was Lockie Seabrook from West Pilbara who stole the show. With uh, yeah. He started off in style, making 132 off 45 balls in the first game um, and then finished it off in the third game when he made 193 off 65. So um, about 26 is, in that inning. So. 
It's incredible. That, that just blows me away. That's, um, well, I think the closest I can think of is an innings that uh, lives in legend status uh, in country cricket, the innings by Richard Savage a few years back at the, well, probably 10 or 12 years ago now, back at the at the Wacker in a... Uh, in a country cup game, but uh, I think it was a country cup game. Yes, it was. Um, but wow, 190 off 60 balls. <laughs> um, I, I'm, I'm guessing there were some um, fairly interesting bowling figures there. Yeah, <laughs> he, uh, it was certainly an unbelievable innings to see or a couple of unbelievable innings to see. Um, he doesn't just hit them for six. He hits them a long way past the boundary, <laughs> Lockie. So, uh, yeah, no, he played really well and very humble person and um, – yeah, so it was, but it was good to see a performance like that. And he's had the opportunity since to play in the Country Cup. So um, it's good that yeah. they've got that sort of pathway as well. And, that, and that's, what, that's what we're all about. We're about um, exposing players of the likes of Lockie that maybe uh, has been a little bit hidden behind the scenes, perhaps. I'm not sure. And we call that out on this show across uh, regional WA. If you've got, you know, a player out there that's doing something special, uh, we'd love to hear about them and make sure that you bring them to our attention and get them uh, out there and playing uh, the, the best representative cricket they can. So just maybe in closing, sort of what um, what I know you sort of cross across a number of things, um, including emerging underage female players across the state. So um, a little bit different. We'll move on from talking all things cricket Northwest. But uh, what pathway opportunities are you currently involved with with the emerging um, underage female players across the state? Yeah, it's pretty exciting in the in that space. Um, so this year we've got under fourteens. Um, girls that were having a country 11 team. We sort of started that last year as well, which was um, to a certain degree. So this year is just going a bit of a step further with that. Um, so that's actually playing against seven or yeah, seven other premier clubs in, in Perth, So um, which is really exciting to get that group together, which hopefully can then stay together over the next couple of years and um, grow into... Um, different opportunities, whether that's state opportunities or country 11, those type of things. Um, but, uh, yeah, to have our own country team is really important. We've seen that in that yeah. under-15 boys' age group over the last couple of years. To have our own yeah. standalone team is is really important. Um, so they're going to play some matches in January in the school holidays and then um, in March as well. So, yeah, that will be sent out invites and the team will be picked in the next couple of weeks. So uh, that's exciting for all those girls players in that age group. Fantastic, mate. And um, look, if anybody listening in on Out of the Paddock sort of goes, well, hang on, I've got a talented underage female player or I'd like to get involved in that somehow, what's the best way to reach out to you? Yeah, definitely email or, or phone. Um, happy to happy to have that contact. Well, like we said, we don't want to miss anyone and we do our best to try and cover all the regions. But um, yeah, either that or talk to the local cricket manager um, yeah. to get more info. But I'm happy to take a call or email around that and um, yep. Yeah, answer any questions. And yep. So if you are listening in on this and you'd like to take up that opportunity, chris.secker at wacricket.com.au is uh, Chris's email address. He rocks by the name of Chippy, but uh, <laughs> he goes by the more formal email address of chris.secker at wacricket.com.au. Or like Chris said, um, reach out through your own regional uh, representatives, and that includes. Um, those that are on the, the country cricket board as your representative in your region, you can reach out through those as well. 
But Chippy, thanks, mate, for your time. We're absolutely loving what uh, not only is happening up in the northwest with cricket at Cricket Northwest, but also the fact that um, somebody of your ilk is up there and um, doing what you do, mate. We love your work. We love the fact that you're so passionate about cricket and we're really pleased that uh, Cricket Northwest is one of the most uh, sort of progressive cricket regions right now in WA country cricket. No worries. Thanks for your time. Pleasure to be here. We're going to uh, now move a little bit further up north. We've got uh, the amazing Angel Gray who's sitting in her office up in Geraldton right now and we're going to um, bring her in and uh, talk all things WA country women's cricket and in particular the, uh, the, the uh, female country 11 which are really uh, excited about the, the growth of that over the last few years. It's been absolutely phenomenal. So firstly, welcome, Angel, to Out on the Paddock. Thanks, Rob. Appreciate being on. We really appreciate you joining us. And uh, firstly, I've got to say congratulations on receiving an honorary life membership of, w- I was going to say the WA Country Cricket Association, but we're going to go higher than that, the WA Cricket Association, the WACA. Uh, what an amazing honour and... Um, Maybe, can you tell us a little bit about your journey in cricket so far? Well, you're right, Rob. It it was a a really humbling honour. I didn't necessarily expect it. It was a huge surprise. Uh, And, uh, you know, I think for me, uh, it probably made me reflect on on my journey in cricket uh, quite a lot. And uh, I certainly had to make a little speech to the the members, which uh, I was a little bit nervous about, (laughs) but uh, certainly gave me a moment to reflect on on that time. And I had my parents uh, in the room as well. So, uh, an opportunity for me to reflect with them and also thank them for the role that they played in in my journey, which I guess started in Western Suburbs, Perth. Uh, I was really fortunate that I probably at a young age um, was exposed to females in cricket. So I had uh, Rosalie mm. Primary School was my, my primary school and I had uh, Rosalie Park right behind me and had a women's club sitting right there and my father was a physio and used to treat uh, some of the players and some of the players that went state and, and national representatives so just really fortunate that, you know, instinctively I was always looking for other sports to play and um, that's that's what got me into cricket. And, yeah, I guess really lucky to have had a, a long uh, span playing for WA and, and certainly Steve Phillippe was a, a part of that as, as my coach for a period of time and had some uh, flirts uh, with, uh, flirted around a little bit with the Australian squad, squad, didn't quite make the big girls team, uh, probably for a number of reasons, uh, justified. And um, then, uh, you know, I've probably found uh, some wonderful opportunities post-cricket, being involved with clubs and and coaching. And, yeah, it's been a a really lovely journey and cricket's been a very special part of my life. We're uh, going to try and capture that a little bit later, uh, maybe in a future episode on, Joel, because it is a wonderful story and there's so many things that you've just already said that have got me sort of really intrigued to find out a lot more. So I'm hoping we can nab you at some stage in a future episode and I'm sure the listeners would love to hear that story more complete. Rosalie Park, a great ground for uh, Country Week. We've played there. Many of us have played there over many years. So to literally walk out your front door and be on that uh, that hallowed ground uh, is pretty amazing, really. Oh, and and uh, I can tell you, Rob, it's probably going to be partly where my ash, some of my ashes might get spread. It's certainly, uh, <laughs> certainly really sentimental to me, for, not just for cricket, but also growing up in the area and so many other reasons. So, yeah, a really, really lovely place to have been exposed to sport, truly. Um, yeah. A wonderful ground. But I want to move into your role now and you've been in the female country 11 sort of space and as the coach for a few seasons now. What, what do you see as the main sort of key roles that you you uh, are able to perform within that 
um, within that process? Yeah, probably a little bit different to uh, uh, Tim. I know you had Tim on on the show, uh, Tim Edmund, and uh, obviously the the men's uh, form of of the the local WA Country Week and and their participation at a national level has been going on for a, a lot longer than what we've seen female involvement. So. Uh, my role probably is is quite different to Tim's in the sense that uh, when uh, I first uh, got to, uh, it was actually Steve that asked me um, randomly uh, in the corridors of the WACA one uh, one day, I recall, he said, are you interested in doing some coaching? And I, and I sort of I said to him, what have you got in mind? And it all started from there. And uh, uh, I guess at the time, um, my first question was, well, where are females playing cricket? Because uh, out in the regions, it wasn't as obvious. And we certainly didn't have uh, the, the breadth of competitions that we have have now. So my role's been really quite um, quite broad in terms of a bit of an investigative, investigative. Where are they playing? What's actually happening? Uh, what what can I can contribute to try and get uh, growth and access and pathway opportunities happening in the regions to support the staff that are already based there from the WACA particularly. Um, to uh, finally uh, having my first championships and going pretty well and, and getting a second one and not going as well as I thought, but trying to, I guess, ultimately get some standards and um, some, uh, I guess, growth of, of the players' knowledge around the game and their understanding of, of strategy. And it's, so it's been a, as well as trying to develop them in terms of their skills. So it's really been quite broad and um, I really hope that we get another championship soon. Bonjour, I might jump in here. Um, you've obviously been a very dedicated player and, and- taking your, your cricket very seriously from that perspective. But from my observations, you're every bit as passionate about coaching as you ever were as a player. Is that fair to say? Yeah, I, I really enjoy it. And I think probably, Steve, it's part of my why. You know, I've been really fortunate as a younger person right through to my current adult age to have enjoyed being active and participating in sport, uh, but sport's given me so many opportunities and cricket's obviously been my number one. And um, I really just enjoy seeing other people get that same opportunity. And, and coaching is a really lovely avenue to both have those uh, relationships with individuals to um, uh, help them develop, but also, you know, I truly do believe you you learn so much from the people you're involved with as well. Um, they're a gift in terms of what they give back to you and what you learn from those relationships and those those moments that uh, you're involved with them, whether it's individuals or whether it's a, a team. Angel, we've um, only just seen over the weekend the um, the uh, BBL, the women's BBL, you know, have a successful campaign and bring bring a final back to Optus Stadium. And I think all of us down in the Bunbury region just look on with absolute amazement and pride with uh, Chloe Paparo being a Bunbury girl. Um, I can remember her, you know, playing around on the Harvey Primary School as a young girl, you know, in a, in a boys match and, and smashing the boys everywhere. Sort of, are there some young players currently in the country scheme of things that you have seen and identified as being, you know, possibly the next Chloe Paparo? Yeah, I think there's some real potential out there. Um, look, certainly Drew Epis comes to mind, who's uh, probably tapping already into that pathway. Uh, she's a, a, a Goldfields girl and um, she's playing a bit of Premier cricket uh, in Perth as well and has been for a little while. 
uh, and is probably just starting to uh, get a sense of her own skills and um, and where she, and what, when where she's going to take her cricket. Um, the fact that she's playing cricket Perth in as regularly as she can, as well as playing in Kalgoorlie on the weekends as well. Uh, her parents must be doing an awful lot of case in that car there. Um, <laughs> but I think what I've really enjoyed watching over the last uh, probably year to a year and a half particularly is the fact that we're starting to see clusters of girls now in the various regions mm. um, and clusters of girls who are in little development groups um, and they're a slightly younger age group, so possibly that opportunity to really develop them earlier and really get them noticed uh, in, and giving them the opportunity to compete against what is a metro-based, uh, player base largely. And I think that's one of the challenges from a country perspective. But there's certainly some uh, wonderful talent. I was up at the Northwest Cup uh, in Karatha uh, uh, back at the end of October and uh, got the opportunity to see some fantastic young players there. Yeah. Um, you know, little Cerise and uh, uh, Simone Fountain's daughter. Uh, so she, there's some wonderful talent out there. And I think uh, the next few years will be the real, the real test of whether it's able to come through. I'm glad you mentioned the Northwest uh, Cup there, Angel. Um, you are the head coach, but you do a lot of uh, grass work, grassroots work. Can you share with the listeners the types of things that you've been doing all around the state in the last two to three seasons? Yeah, it's uh, well, first of all, say, Steve, it's, it's actually really quite fun. Um, I started my, um, uh, I guess, one of my first jobs, not, it wasn't my very first, but one of my first jobs was actually a development officer for cricket. So it was almost in some ways taking me right back to, to those days because uh, some of the visits I've done have been really eclectic from um, helping out with a, um, a grassroots uh, five to seven-year-old session of, of girls to having a mix of mums to having players who are in a uh, identified talent running one-to-one sessions to, to running group training sessions with their country squads uh, that are now uh, competing in for the uh, WA Country Week uh, uh, trophy. So really eclectic um, and each area is probably a little bit different in terms of its, uh, I guess, where it's at in terms of its development and, and maybe some of the, the visits I've done are, are also sent, uh, are relevant to, to where those places are at in terms of their development for girls and, 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 and adult women. Uh, I was down in um, Donnybrook uh, just a, a few weeks back and uh, had a a wonderful couple of sessions uh, down there with start of the day, start off with a, a group of coaches to then um, running some a really broad uh, training session with uh, the women that were playing down in that Brumbury League to then running a, a training session with a couple of uh, girls who are identified talent. And um, a really fantastic day, so, uh, well, day and a half it was, um, yeah. So my visits are really tend to be jam-packed and they can be really eclectic in what they look like. And finally, Angel, we've got so much starting to happen in WA country cricket with with women's and um, you've just called out, you know, so much of that. But I think one of the things we're most excited about is is the Women's Country Week, which we kicked off in Geraldton last year and uh, or earlier this year. Um, we had Janelle Phillips on the last episode of Out on the Paddock and she, she uh, unpacked that absolutely magnificently. But uh, I'm guessing you were there, I know. I saw you walking around the grounds and that. You must have been rather excited about that and the opportunity to use that for some talent ID as well. Oh, I think uh, this is a huge step in the pathway. 
Um, we know that uh, from the Mail's perspective, it's been there a long time and, and certainly I mentioned Tim before and the opportunities that there are for um, the Mail team to have touch points of competition and progression before they, uh, they hit a, a national championships. So this is a, a really big step to have uh, women playing, I guess, at that next level. Um, and we know it's in its infancy, so we're going to still see a, a real range of abilities across the various uh, representative teams. Uh, but uh, the camaraderie that I observed over the, the few days of that competition was just fantastic. The whole feel of it was, uh, it, it was it was more than social. It was a feeling like something started, um, a real start of a, a, a journey, so to speak. So it now forms, uh, I guess, one of uh, two, two touch points where these women get the opportunity to have um, some competition. So from that, we were able to select a, a WA team that went and played the, the WA Aboriginal 11, which was uh, played out at Murdoch, which was fantastic. And we're hoping that becomes now a, a, an ongoing opportunity for the team. So it now becomes a natural also selection uh, piece for the WA country women's team moving forward. So, uh, yeah, absolutely brilliant that it's got up and um, I hope that it has uh, as long a journey as we see, have we seen with the male side of things and, and longer. Absolutely. And, of course, we're just dying to get back to an Australian country cricket championships as well and um, what the uh, what the women's uh, the WA women's country team can continue to improve with there and um, and and come up against the best around Australia and get some sort of uh, indication of how the program is moving forward we can't wait for that to kick off again once uh, this little thing called a pandemic goes away hopefully <laughs> um, <laughs> we we also want to just call out uh, on on this episode that uh, nominations are out right now for the uh, uh, Women's Country Week in, in January. So uh, uh, if you tune in and uh, are in time, make sure you get your teams organised and um, we're looking forward to a, a really special event come next uh, early next year. But Angel, I just want to uh, thank you again. Just thank you firstly for the role you do play within WA Country Cricket and the amazing work that you're doing in the women's space there. Um, there's some fantastic co- talent coming through. I'm going to throw in a plug for a young girl I've been coaching for a while now, Ava Dodds. She's an absolute ripper, so keep an eye out for Ava coming through the, the space and so many others that I'm seeing locally and I'm sure all, as you've called out, all around WA regional cricket. We love what you're doing on gel and we want to thank you for joining us today on Out on the Paddock. Thanks, Robin, and thanks, Steve. And, and I can tell you I love what I'm doing as well. It's been a, a wonderful opportunity. So I should thank you, Steve, for opening the door and uh, and congratulations on the podcast and uh, I hope it has many series to come. Awesome. Thanks, Angel. I'm absolutely thrilled to bring in our next guest. He's an absolute legend not only of cricket here in Australia but also I'm going to call it out. He's, a, he's fast becoming a legend of WA country cricket as well. Uh, played 485 first. Oh, sorry. Took took 485 first class wickets. I reckon he'd be pretty happy if he played 485 tests. He played four tests. Certainly fell like it yeah. sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> three three one day internationals in the baggy yellow. Uh, played against uh, some pretty mi- mighty powerhouse teams in England and West Indies back in the in the 90s. The bit that I'm, I'm going to get into a bit later, we won't get into right now, 1,398 runs in first-class cricket at the cracking strike rate of 32.4, according to the records I've seen. So, <laughs> Joe Angel, welcome to Out on the Paddock. Great to have you with us, mate. 
Thanks, Tom. Pleasure, mate. So, yeah, glad we could finally make this happen. Yeah, and it is a case of make, tr- finally making it happen because one of the things I want to sort of ask before we get into talking a bit about cricket and that is it's, where actually do you live right now? Because in the last two weeks alone, I want to tell the listeners, I've spoken to Joe in Cape Lambert, in Albany, in Bunbury, and right now he's talking to me from Kalgoorlie. So I'm I'm really confused, Joe. Where actually do you reside these days, mate? Uh, we've, we live in Bayswater, um, sort of uh, right, right near where uh, all that lovely work's happening with Tonkin Highway going over the river there. So <laughs> we've uh, been dealing with that for the last few months and we've still got quite a few more months to go. But, yeah, that's, that's home. But has been very busy the last uh, few swings when I've been home from work. Um, as I said, I'm normally at Cape Land, but when I'm away... Uh, I do an eight and six roster up there, and uh, yeah, the last three swings home, um, I've been down to Bunbury, been to Bustleton, then Albany, Mount Barker, and Denmark. Um, come up to see my oldest boy up here in Kalgoorlie this week, and then next weekend I'll be in Geraldton um, doing the um, their uh, their Midwest Carnival they do for Country Week um, selection. Uh, done that. This will be my fourth year, I think, going back up there, which is uh, good fun. So looking forward to catching up with Jared and the boys there. Made in a world where most of us uh, aren't racking up too many frequent flyers. I think you're making up for the rest of us. That's uh, pretty amazing stuff. <laughs> yeah, well, like, um, I do say to my boys that all the time. I said it soon loses its luster. Uh, you know, it's same old, same old. And, um, yeah, it's a, it's a means to an end to uh, to get to where I need to work. But, um, yeah, it sort of, I suppose it provides a few frequent flyer points. Not that we can go a lot of places at the moment. No. But, uh, yeah, hopefully uh, we can open up somewhere soon. So when you mention boys or family, what what's in the angel stable these days? Uh, I've got three boys, so yeah, they've all uh, turned out pretty good. So I've got a 21-year-old up here in Kalgoorlie working in the mines. He's uh, an underground miner, plays a bit of local cricket up here for Hannon, so goes all right. They uh, they just worked out whose son he was uh, in the paper. He's, he's, I keep calling him the media darling because they keep wanting to put his paper a picture in the paper. So <laughs> I don't know if some I don't know if someone's got the hots for him or not. But, um, <laughs> so uh, yeah, but they just worked out whose son he is. So he uh, he doesn't uh, go around spruiking that sort of thing no. um, and uh, yeah, I've got a, a 19 and an 18 year old so a 19 and 18 year old are still at home I'm trying to get rid of them but they're still there and um, yeah, 19 year olds uh, he's right into his basketball more so than um, has played a bit of cricket over the journey um, quite a good bowler uh, but he really loves his basketball and so he's just working and yeah, doing a bit of that with his basketball with his mates youngest one's quite a good footballer um, East Perth quite keen on him been trying to get him through their junior programs there over the last sort of 18 months but he's sort of nearly as big as me and damn sight quicker and can move damn sight quicker than me <laughs> so it'd be, be nice to see, uh, see him make the most of uh, you know the skill set they've got Your son who's playing in, in Cal at Hannans what's his name? Uh, Shaza, Shaza, so, uh, yep. yeah, Mulgar Angel. He's uh, in the been in the A grade. He's uh, leading leading wicket taker for him, which is pretty good. I think yeah. he plays. He basically plays every second week. Although he's you now he's just gone and booked uh, a few Saturdays off so he can play consecutive weekends. And um, he's uh, hopefully he put his name down to go down for country week. So he's hoping he'll be in the uh, the A grade side. So yeah, see how he goes. He gets a few runs. He'd like to bat a bit high, but he. Keeps running out of partners, partners back down the end. He's Captain Reading. Yeah, Hannon's a, a legendary cr- cricket club in uh, WA country cricket, so he's landed well there. That's um, uh, one one of the um, one of the bucket list items for me is to get over, hopefully, to Kel sometime this summer and uh, have a look, 
have a look at the cricket over there because uh, I've heard about it for a long time now and certainly Hammonds keeps coming up as one of the, the clubs to, to be involved with. Yeah, they've, they've been really good for him. He um, he sort of started there um, when he first started working up here. He ended up, he was renting a room um, off a house of a bloke who played there and that's how that sort of came about. Um, had a few of the guys at Midland were trying to push him towards Great Bowl because they've got a bit of a connection there and yep. I said, oh, well, he'll play where he wants to play and yeah, he's very happy there and yeah, so just uh, glad that he's playing and enjoying himself. And uh, yeah, looking, uh, like I said, we don't really have to worry about him. He's uh, yeah, set up home up here now and yeah, going well. Excellent. Well, Joe, I want to. Um, I don't want to sort of uh, lose too much of your valuable time today, and we appreciate you joining us on Out on the Paddock. But uh, one of the things I want to sort of call out to the listeners straight up is Joe is a dinky die country boy, um, raised in the hills, I believe, of um, just outside of Perth back in the day when the hills were truly country. I reckon. Oh, that's right. Yeah, Mount Lena was definitely country back then. It's sort of probably semi-metro now, I suppose. But, yeah, it was definitely country um, back then. And, yeah, sort of started playing country week uh, probably when I was about 14 or 15 with the seniors up there, really. So, yeah, I, I sort of started playing seniors cricket as well as I was still playing juniors cricket when I was around 14, 15. And, um, yeah, they asked me to go and play in the country week up there, so which was good. And I sort of enjoyed playing, playing on turf cricket. Um, on the turf wickets and that was sort of what drove me then to go down to Midland and try out down there. So, yeah, I decided I'd sort of rock up the training and tapped uh, a fellow called Alan Bascom, uh, who used to be the net captain down there, AB, and uh, said, g'day, how you going? Uh, I'm going to cricket. I want to play. So, yeah, it's all started from that. Hills are, a, a, in my era, are a legendary uh, country cricket association. I can remember playing a game against Hills at College Park, I think it was in Perth, one country week, and we had a fairly decent side, and I think we scored in the vicinity of... 270 or 280 off our 50 overs and the Hills boys just came out and wiped them off in about 35 overs, I reckon. They were, uh, <laughs> there were some decent cricketers. I'd, I don't re- I'd, I think I'd remember if you were playing in that match, but I uh, don't think you were unless you were. No, uh, I wasn't, yeah. wasn't in that one, but, yeah. I mean, I've played with some very good cricketers. I certainly don't think I was the best cricketer that I played with um, in a couple of sides. We... Um, so one of my first coaches, Tony Kirby up there, who coached me when I was in sort of under 12s or whatever it was when I started. Uh, they don't have, didn't have the amount of age groups they've got now. And then um, once you got under 14s, there was nothing really between that and senior cricket up yeah. there, a bit like what happens in a lot of country yeah. uh, towns now. So he uh, he actually went to Midland Guildford and said, look, um, can we put a second side in the district competition? Um, just all these hills boys would train up at Glen Forest during the week. And, um you know, travel down on a Saturday, and they said, "Yep, yeah, no worries." So we were the number two side. We, up, we went through undefeated for the year, and then lost the grand final, unfortunately. But yeah, we had a hell of a side. So um, I used to open the batting. I'd be so hard to get a bowl. If I wanted a bowl, I'd bat down the order. <laughs> really? We batted to nine. Or, we batted to nine or ten, and we had about eight bowlers. So yeah. very good side. Yeah. So I can actually. I'm just remembering you had a guy playing in the, that particular match, and they they were calling him Chili. And they kept saying, take the handbrake off, Chili. Every time we were sort of starting <laughs> to make a bit of a partnership, he was pretty slippery too. So uh, I don't know yeah, if yeah, you, yeah. you remember Chili or not, but he was uh, I, I pretty I don't high. know that name, but yeah, there's, <laughs> there's been some very, very good cricketers up there and footballers and so forth as well, you know. So yeah. it's been a pretty productive uh, uh, breeding ground. Pretty, pretty rich area, absolutely. So was it your dad or who influenced you to think about cricket? Who was, uh, who was your influencer? Um, yeah, it wasn't really Dad, – Dad didn't really play cricket. He played a bit of footy, but that was well before I was born. So, um, 
uh, it's just probably playing. I played footy with my mates during the winter, and they were playing cricket, so I went and played cricket. So yeah, mum, mum was the one who was taxi probably. She used to have to come <laughs> and pick me up from training, particularly like when we were doing the Glen Forest. Okay, when we were at Mount Lena, because um, yep. yeah, where our house was, I could walk out the back gate and walk to school, and walk out the front gate basically, and the oval was across the road. So we were perfectly situated in terms of uh, getting to places and. You know, anywhere it's a bit dirty, you just go on your push bike and road. So I yeah. used to ride up to Lake Lesinolpe and things like that during the summer. And, um, that's just what we did in those days. So. Was it a was it a turf wicket on the local ground or a hard wicket? No, 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 synthetic wicket. There's no no turf up there. It used to be uh, yeah, gets gets super wet during the yeah. during the winter, and um, it'd probably be alright during the summer. But uh, yeah, I just uh, there wouldn't have enough people or be able to justify a turf wicket, unfortunately. So what what was it your mum and dad did in Mount Helena back in the day? So they were yeah, dad had a um, bus run that he took over. And him and mum ran a poultry farm as well. So I think we had about 30 or 40,000 chooks at one stage. So, yeah, just uh, yeah, eggs, collecting eggs. So if you didn't like eggs, you were in a bit of trouble or didn't like chicken. <laughs> um, yeah, we had a fairly big property. We used to run a few sheep on that as well and um, used to know a few of the local uh, blokes who worked at the abattoir. So every, you know, again, we'd buy 15 or 20 sheep and everybody get four or five. They'd slaughter them up. Yeah, good, good days uh, living up there. Great fun. Well, we've got a connection straight up, you and I, because I was a chook farmer as well. They were just a bit bigger, that's <laughs> all. We had uh, 7,000 emus at one stage. So, yeah, collecting those eggs was always interesting, especially with the... Uh, yeah, so good luck plucking them. Yeah. The <laughs> so um, I'm fascinated by the fact that you said your, your countryweight cricket sort of was um, mostly opening the batting and batting. So at what point yeah. did it click with the bowling or at what point did you go, well, hey, I can, I can go places with bowling here? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's one of those things. I always did both. So um, right through juniors, batted pretty high, either opened the batting or batted high. Usually, you know, bowled, you know, first, either time, didn't know the bowling first, second change. Um, so just probably happened to be that under-15 team or under-16 team at mid, uh, Midland second team that we were in was so strong. That was one of the few where I had to sort of make a choice one way or the other. I still enjoyed bowling, and every now and again I'd say to... So to Mr. Kirby, I said, oh, I wouldn't mind him to bowl this week, Mr. Kirby. He's OK, well, you're, you're down the order. So, you know, so that was – and we had a strong enough side to be able to handle that. So – and then when I – I suppose I still did the both when I played seniors for Mount Lena. Um, you know, I did both there. And then when I went to Midland, I think – yeah, I think maybe they just saw the size of me and <laughs> sort of thought, oh, well, he must be a bowler or something. But, yeah, I still took my batting very seriously. Um, like I said, I might – I might not have been the quickest scorer, but I could certainly <laughs> hang around like an Alabama tip if required. And, yeah, always enjoyed back to the other end when you've got guys like Gilly and, you know, Brendan Julian and these yeah. sort of blokes, uh, you know, back to the other end, Tom Moody and so forth. It's, uh, it's the best place to be at the other end. Best seat in the house, absolutely, yeah, for sure. Yeah. So was there an influencer at Midland Guildford? I mean, legendary club back in the 80s and 90s in particular. I mean, with the Slaters, yeah. the Gartrels, all, all of those guys. Yeah. Who are, yeah, was there a particular somebody who took you under your wing and, you know, really refined your bowling? Yeah, well, I mean, all those guys, Kevin Gartrell, Keith Slater, had massive influence, Bruce Yardley, yeah. uh, probably a guy, Billy Van Bleet. Uh, who was a stalwart there for, for many, many years. Billy uh, worked at Slater Garfield Sports there as well. And, you know, he just sort of um, showed you what you needed to do, to how to prepare, you know, just having, you know, the right sort of spares in your cricket bag, which I never really thought of to have gone up to then. And I'm pretty big on that with, with the young fellas now, you know, make sure you've got a spare pair of boots, you know, a spare pair of, um, you know, spikes, yeah. shoelaces, all that sort of stuff, you yeah. know. So just so you're prepared for... 
you know, and it's amazing, even in first class cricket, the amount of blokes that didn't have that sort of stuff really did amaze me. You know, I thought it was, and it, it, I suppose it became second nature, but yeah, it's, uh, you know, those, Bill, Bill was brilliant. Um, yeah, playing under uh, Tony Mann and mm. and Bruce Shardley uh, was great influence. Alex Stewart was probably one that I owe a real big thank you to because he sort of noticed me bowling down in the in the sort of lower grade nets. And I think he said to, I think it was Rocket at the time, um, you know, better get this bloke up and just have a look at him in the first net. So that sort of went from there. And yeah, so I ended up getting a game in the end. My, my debut was a little bit unusual. I was named to play twos. On the Thursday night, um, a good mate of mine, Chris Mack, um, failed a fitness test on the Friday night, so I got a got a call up uh, to play on the Sunday in a one-day game. So that was my first game for Midland, and he yeah, managed to jag a wicket first ball. So oh, really? Managed to get Gary Island out, uh, caught down the leg side first ball, you know, so unlucky, G.I. Yeah, <laughs> I only just, uh, there was a big article, I think, on Facebook or in the paper or something about Bayswater Morley having a big reunion, and G.I. was the uh, the lead story in that, so there you go. You've, well, he's a, he's a hell of a player, yeah, very good yeah. player, probably a bit um, big Unfortunately, not to have played more cricket for Western Australia, but yeah. again, a very strong era. Yeah, yeah, phenomenal player for Bayswater Morley over a long period of time mm. too. So, yeah. So, you kind of, your, your journey started at Midland Guildford. Was it, lo- how long was it in before you cracked a, 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 a state position? Um, it was reasonably quick, I suppose. I mean, I went, basically, uh, I went down to Midland when I was about 18, I think a year or so, 10, 19 in the, sort of second half of that that year and then I moved end up I was living with my granddad up in Hoggarty Creek at the time because um, yep. when I decided to go and work mum and dad said right well we're selling the business so you're going to have to find somewhere to live so my granddad was in Mahogany Creek he was pretty happy having me there because I could drive him down the pub and back and um, <laughs> he was very happy with that so I probably lived with granddad for about uh, six nine months I suppose and got myself set up and started working for Bell Creek just as a uh, fleet like a fleet controller type uh, role there. Yeah, got settled in that position. They said, righty Mum and Dad said that we've got a little bit of money put aside for you from your uh, child endowment money. That's your deposit for your house so you can buy a house. And I'm sort of going, oh, oh, oh what? You know, so I had to borrow the grand sum of $28,000 and I absolutely um, pooed my pants yeah. doing that. But, uh, yeah, it's a different world now, that's for sure. But it was a good thing to do as an 18-year-old um, to do that. Ended up, had a couple of mates um, from school. They rented rooms off me so they helped pay the milk, pay the pay the bills as well, you know. So, yeah, I sort of started from there and then, yeah, so then I missed with moving house. I sort of missed the start of the season. So uh, I played fourths and thirds the first year at Midland and then so started back in fourths and went right the way through the first grade that year. Um, that was the year that uh, Alan Mullally played in the Shield final for oh, WA yeah. as a debut. Yep. Uh, apparently I was pretty close to playing, supposedly. I don't know how true that is or not, but um, could we won the... Uh, what used to be the Toyota Cup uh, first grade one day comp that year down at the Wacker and I got three for about 15 or something and um, had a pretty fair game uh, so sort of that I'd sort of been uh, played a bit of second level cricket and so forth as well so I'd sort of been on the periphery of the squad um, yeah it would have been a surprise to get picked I suppose and then yeah ended up the following year um, yeah starting in end up um, started in first grade for Midland I think I took 40 odd wickets which was Albert Stewart's last year um, we ended up winning the flag that year and then I think the following year was my debut. So, yeah, 
was uh, all happened pretty quick. So how did how did the debut for WA go? Who was it at the Wacker or was it another? Uh, was at the Wacker, yeah. Well, that yep. was a bit of an unusual one as well. I, my uh, my first grade debut and my first class debut were basically both blokes falling over. So um, <laughs> yeah, so uh, I'd been we'd done all the pre-season training, couple of pre-season games, sort of felt like I'd done it right, but you know the sort of interim bowls. So Bruce Reed was in, Terry Alderman. Uh, Martin McCaig and Brendan Julian were the fair, four first-choice bowlers from the previous year, um, and that was fair enough. So they were picked in the first game. Um, turned out uh, on the morning of the match, Big Chook uh, Reed was crook. So apparently they rang Peter Capes, and he was sick as well. So <laughs> then they rang me. So <laughs> I wasn't even the first choice. And, um, yeah, so I was actually working down in um, O'Connor at the time. I was doing a bit of, like, temping stuff at that stage, and because I'd been to England and back and so forth. So I uh, ended up had to, so I got the phone call, I think it was about 8.30 in the morning. So I had to pack my gear up, get from O'Connor back to Bellevue where I had my house there, get everything ready, get to the whacker. I think I got to the ground at about 20 past 10 or half past 10. So I was absolutely nervous wreck getting there. And thankfully Swampy won the toss and we were batting. But uh, so I was able to sort of finally relax once I knew I didn't have to rush straight out there to bowl. But sort of got myself settled, went over the nets, had a bit of a bowl, and then sort of got into it from there. So we only got to bowl the once in that game. Um, tried a bit too hard, sort of. I think I had none for about 50 off nine overs and uh, finished up with three for 54. So I managed right. to get um, yeah. Harry Matthews and Mark War and Mike Whitney out uh, to finish the innings off. So, yeah, it was a sort of uh, interesting debut, I suppose. And, uh, yeah, so we played them again in the short final that year, which was a... Mark was a fairly handy uh, scalp early on there. I reckon I'd be uh, claiming that one, that's for sure. Yeah, I always like to remind Junior of that. So, yeah, he didn't, <laughs> like, it. He didn't like it when you got stuck into him, Junior. I, I get on really well with him, sort of. Uh, he likes uh, the horses and stuff. So, yeah. pretty, we're probably pretty similar cats in that regard and <laughs> similar sense of humour and so forth. But, yeah, he used to always reckon I was picking on him. I said, I, I said to Junior, no, I'll do that to everyone, mate. So, you know. <laughs> <laughs> one of the things we're trying to achieve with, with this podcast out on the paddock is obviously get it out amongst all country areas and stuff like that what what i'm and and listeners that you know range from 14 right up to you know 74 84 whatever for the younger group am i picking up that it wasn't like you had lots of representative cricket up to that point you know i had bugger all rep cricket up to that point. I don't think that was necessarily a bad thing. Um, yeah. I had stress fractures when I was about 18. So yep. that first sort of full year of first grade, uh, I think it was 18 or 19, whatever I was. Um, so when we won that final, so Alex Stewart's last year, I, I, I'd been a bit sore in the semi-final, a bit of soreness leading up, didn't think too much of it. Um, so I did a really good, you know, extra good warm-up for the final. And I got through okay. And I can remember sitting in the change rooms afterwards and Brendan and myself were sitting there and I went to get off the bench and I couldn't move. Mm. My back had sort of locked up, so I think the stress fracture had finally gone. So mm. it got right through the year. And um, so I'd been in the state squad and all that. And I remember Daryl Foster was the state coach at that stage. He said, yeah, we had our concerns about you, but you were going okay. We didn't want to change too much, particularly in season. So luckily for me, it was a pretty simple fix to get my body right or get the action right and um, you know I didn't have any more back troubles I've had other you know normal wear and tear knee issues and stuff like that which is part of the course but so I was pretty fortunate the whole winter to get that right but yeah I didn't play any 17s 19s any of that sort of stuff just second level cricket was my first rep 
sort of stuff for WA, and I, I think that held me in good stead. I was think, you know, I was probably better condition. You know, I think I was 23 when I debuted for WA, so I think just physically I was better uh, conditioned to get through. And even then, it still probably took probably another two to three years to be really able to, you know, be able to get through one innings and then another innings. That's what I say to guys. It's not how you bowl in the first innings, what you can do in the second innings, be able to bowl again, you know, 24, 36 hours after you've just bowled. That's a real test if, yeah. if you can handle that or not. Yeah. I'm fascinated by what you're just telling us and the listeners because I think there is a lot of pressure put on kids at 14, 13, 14 to think they have to be in state teams to, you know, finally make it to the big stage. But I still, I'm not convinced that's still the case. In fact, you know, you only have to look at, say, somebody like Lance Morris, who's, you yep. know, was playing down in Bustledon only up until a few years ago. And now, now he's playing, yeah. you know, Big Bash and all that stuff. So, yeah, yeah, that's right. Great you just story. Don't know how close, yeah, don't know how close you can be. So, I've done a bit of work with a young fellow called Josh Vernon up yeah. in the work. He's a, he's a real talent, ripper kid. kid. Yeah. Uh, works hard. Um, you know, unfortunately for him with COVID the last two years, you know, he's missed out on the 17th Carnival, which would have been a great experience for him. But I said, you know, that, it may be a good thing for you. I don't know. Maybe it'll just make you more hungry. So, yeah. you know, he's been involved with the Scorchers practice game this week. Yep. Um, so uh, we were trying to get him for Midland for Saturday, but he's um, the uh, Country 11 boys have grabbed him for Sunday. He's got a couple of games for them, yeah. which is uh, good, good on them. But, yeah, he's a, he's a ripper kid and... Like I said, I don't think it'll hurt his cricket in the long run. Um, be one of those sort of experiences. It'd be nice, you know, you get to go away uh, with a bunch of your mates and, and play a bit of cricket, which is always good fun. He is a ripping kid. We um, we came across him at Junior Country Week last year, the Wellington team that my son's involved in. And, uh, yeah, he, he tore us apart in a match there. He's but humble as and, you know, just mixed with our kids that he only kind of barely knew. Yeah, ripping yeah. kid. In fact, the whole, oh, a, the whole a, team a was tough, a great team. He's a bloody tough bugger too. He, he played a game, played a couple of games for Midland at the start of the year. And in his second game, we, we played fourth first week and... Quickly, they bumped him up to thirds, and he uh, got one whack back at him, and he split the end of his thumb. So oh. he split the actual thumb and the nail. Ended up, he bowled another buddy's four overs, I think, after that somehow. Jeez. So yeah. you know, he had one over, was a bit of a stinker, but I think just getting, you know, but he found a way. And that's, yep. uh, yeah, he just got a terrific attitude. Like I said, there's, uh, I don't have to do a lot with him. Um, he's uh, he's pretty pretty switched on. He's, he's got a beautiful action too. If you haven't seen him, check him out sometime. He's uh, he's a pleasure to watch in action. He really is. But we'll get back to you now, Joe. I'm um, I'm conscious of time and uh, I want to just unpack a few more things about your, your career. So how long did you play for Western Australia before you, you got your first um, baggy green? So that was in my second year it was. So yeah, 92-3 against the West Indies. So yeah, it all happened really quick. Um, you know, I had, like I said, I had very good, I ended up being the leading wicket taker in my first year, just playing the seven games for Western Australia, uh, including the final. And then we got a few got a few wickets early on. I got wickets against the West Indies in the Test match in the Tiller match that we played early on. I'm not even sure how it came about. Really, I ended up playing the fifth Test. So yeah, um, I think Tim May. Uh, copped a bit of a hammering on his hand batting in Adelaide in the fourth test so he couldn't play so ended up it was and Tony Dottermade was the other one in the squad at that, that time as well so ended up um, sort of Craig McDermott um, I think yeah, Craig McDermott, Merv Hughes and myself and, and Shane Warne were the, were the four four bowlers so uh, yeah it was a uh, probably a bit of a rapid rise and 
nearly had a wicket when he first over. It would have been nice, but uh, unfortunately, Billy McDermott, uh, yeah, he, he sort of caught it and then hit the boundary and shoveled it over. So <laughs> instead of bloody beauty, one for none, it was none for six. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, uh, and we were, it was the Kirtley Ambrose match where he got seven for one. So, uh, oh, yeah, we only got the bowl once. Right. So, yeah, I was good enough to nick one in the first innings. I, I thought I, uh, I thought it looked all right, though. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I was one of the ones, I think I might have been the last one or second last one. And then, uh, but, yeah, Ian Healy and I broke the record to the 10th wicket or something in the second innings anyway. I think we only had to beat 10 Did you? or something. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, think, I think we all remember that test match, if we we're old enough. Um, yeah, seven for one, and it was over in two or three days, wasn't it, from memory? Three days, three yeah. Days. I, bl- I blame AB, because he actually did ask me, which I was a little bit surprised. He said, oh, well, what should we battle bowl first? I said, mate, all the bowl first here, and he won the toss and decided to bat, you know. So I blame <laughs> AB, but uh, yeah, okay. uh, I mean, we were we were one for 70 odd, and then, yeah, all out for, I don't know what it was, 130, I think it was, so. Yeah, I just find that I find that fascinating alone that AB is asking the debutant whether you should battle bowl first. But um, <laughs> yeah, no one, no, no one was more, no one was more surprised than me. I yeah. can tell you, it's <laughs> uh, <that's> amazing. <laughs> so basically, it was a fairly short affair with Test cricket and One Day cricket, but still amazing. I'm sure. I'm sure you must look back with great pride and enjoy the fact that you got the opportunity alone. Because, uh, well, as I keep explaining to my juniors, you know, there's only been 400 odd in in the history of the game here in Australia get a baggy green. So it must be incredibly proud to to look at that. You still got it? Is it floating around? Yeah, somewhere? yeah I've still got it. I've actually never worn it. It's one of those funny things because it wasn't the um, you know what Steve Waugh brought in where you got to wear your cap. I've never wore never wore my WA cap. Never wore an Australian <laughs> cap. I was a white floppy man. It was what I like wearing. Yeah. I didn't feel like I needed a cap to make me bowl any harder for my state or my country and that sort of stuff. But yep. yeah, I'm incredibly yeah. I'm I'm very thankful that I, I played four tests more than most people and yep. you know three one down internationals more than most people. I would have loved to have had more opportunity. Um, we're just in a very strong era. I think probably in this current climate might have been some more opportunities because I was pretty durable in terms of I kept taking wickets sort of year in, year out, and that's why I survived for so long. And um, Yeah, I'd like to think I, you know, I could do a sort of Josh Hazelwood-type role or a, what Pat Cummins does. You know, I mean, they're both fantastic players, but, yeah, it would have been nice to have more opportunity, but it wasn't to be. So at the back end of it all, once um, sort of state and test cricket and even your time at um, Midland Guildford came to an end, was there, was there a moment where you did go back and play a little bit of country cricket? You know, sort of some people where they start is sometimes where they finish. Has that happened for Joe Angel? Yeah, so ended up, I started working for Australia Post probably the last couple of years I was playing for Western Australia. So I was the only one sort of working full time as well as playing regular first-class cricket. So uh, very fortunate. Uh, had a fantastic boss who uh, was just take, I'd take leave without pay when I was, you know, had to go away or, you know, if we had to go to training, he was quite happy with that. Uh, he was a, an Irish fellow, mad soccer thing, but he um, we used to have a couple of Olympic athletes and all that sort of stuff, so he's a really good fellow, uh, which I think that was a good thing for me. And then in the end, when I retired, I remember um, my wife sort of, she'd grown up, um, you know, in Town Belder, Parabadoo, Tom Price, these sort of places, Dampier. And uh, she had a spot in the paper that there was a job going um, up in up for uh, Rio up at Cape Lambert, what it was um, what they called Pilbara Iron, they were called then, not, not Rio Tinto Iron or like we are now. But um, I think it was after we'd been up there for probably about 18 months or so, um, 
Chief Slater rang me up and said, oh, we want you to play at Wilder Hill again. So I, I said, oh, OK. So I said, yep, yeah, all right, I'm in. And so then I thought, well, I better go and practice a bit here because I don't want to embarrass myself. So <laughs> that's the last thing you want to do. So I, uh, I went down to the uh, the Wickham boys were, were training and said, look, do you mind if I join in? I just want a bit of a practice and, you know, just to make sure I can uh, at least hit the strip and uh, get them down the other end OK. And so it sort of started from there. And I, I, it was funny because I got rid of all my gear. So I had no bloody gear left. I had no, you know, I'd given all my bats away, given all my pads, all my boots, bag, everything. I said, you know, when I remember my last game at Midland, I... I think or I went down to training or something and I said, Rightio boys, I think I had two bags full of gear and jumpers and shirts to right, go for your life. If you don't take it, it's going into bin, you know. So I just sort of wanted to sort of, you know, finish with all that. And so I started from that and they said, Oh, well, you wanna you know, and eventually I started wanting to play, so I ended up I had to bring Gilly up and I said, Oh mate, you got any gear? And he said, Oh yeah, you come and see me. So I rocked up to his place and he's got a brand new bag bloody brand new rip it back and pads <laughs> and gloves and all this sort of stuff for me which was uh, which was good because it's uh, not cheap pretty beer any no. parents who know uh, yeah. I'm always very thankful and uh, it annoys me when I see people you know throwing bats around and helmets because they're not mm. cheap to buy and mm. uh, you know uh, you can't blame the back. It's usually the the, uh, the plonker using it if they've got out or some, done something wrong, you know. So, <laughs> but uh, so yeah, I started playing for Midland uh, for Wickham again, and we ended up. I think we won five flags in six years or something uh, up there, which was good fun. So yeah, and yeah. I, again, it probably ended up more batting than yep. bowling. Um, I did bowl a bit every now and again, and uh, so yeah, that was good fun. I really enjoyed that playing for, for Wickham, and sort of from that, I probably I started doing a few of the ACA. Uh, master's trips away, which was good fun. Uh, majority of those are over in the eastern states when we could travel freely and all that sort of stuff. Um, so I've done all sorts of you know regions in Victoria, New South Wales, uh, and so forth, which is which is great fun. I, I haven't done any of those for a while since I had both my knees replaced in 2016. So, but yeah, still like going and getting out to the regions and trying to help a few people where I can. So, and that that is what you're doing a lot of now, and that's hence the trip to Bunbury recently, and then also to yep. Bustledon and, and Albany. Um, yeah, so like I said to you guys down there, it's just trying to sort of change the way, you know, uh, particularly training and so forth is done now. The game sort mm-hmm. of evolved quite a bit in the last five to ten years, I think. Um, very different from when I was playing juniors to when I first started playing at Midland Guildford to, you know, first playing for WA and just trying to make things a bit more dynamic and, and understand that, you know, like uh, if someone's pretty, if they if they know, if they have a way that works and they're not going to hurt themselves or something like that, you know, like I said, if, they, if they've got a way that makes runs consistently, let them go. Don't yep. try and change them too much. It yep. may not look great, but, you know, end result is runs, wickets, you know, wins games. So. In, isn't it amazing? Uh, it's always the team that makes the most runs that wins. I think that's one of the fundamentals of cricket that seems takes to be the most forgotten. wickets. Well, yeah, the, one, take... the one that takes the most wickets, mate. You've got to take the most wickets because you can make as many runs as you like. You can't bowl them out. It doesn't matter. True. Absolutely. Yeah. You've got to get those 10, don't you? Yeah, exactly right. Oh, the, end, the, end, the end room's everything, mate. Yep. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll go with that. I, I'm sort of more stroking as a. A, uh, a batsman who bowls a lot more these days, even though my age doesn't <laughs> allow me to even do that anymore. So, uh, yeah. all right. Well, look, Joe, we're going to start to wrap this up, but I started a thing with Tuck Waldron in the first episode um, and continued with uh, a, a mate of yours. I know you know him well, Jared Marquis, in the last episode yes. um, called The Super Over. So I'm going to throw 
I'm going to, I'm going to bowl um, six deliveries at you, and uh, okay. they're just short, sharp questions, and you can answer whichever um, way you want to. Uh, you can either take your okay. time or whatever. So uh, yep. I started out with a bit of a sledge, really. Now I'm thinking about it. You know, calling out your strike rate of thirty-two point four—that was a bit ordinary of me. Um, what What was the what's for either WA or Australia? Did you have a memorable innings? You know, a moment where you look back and go, "That was my my moment with the bat." Yeah, there's probably there's probably two. So I made three first class half centuries. So yep. um, you know, I certainly don't think I was any mug. Um, made two of those when I went in as night watchman. Yep. So you know, I had to do a job there and then get through the night. And it, it's a great role because you've only got to sort of get through the night, basically get through the first half an hour, and then you've got a license. So you can have a bit of fun. And I remember that one of the ones was playing Tassie down in Hobart. And um, Booney was probably one of his few games for Tassie. Um, I actually roomed with Booney when we toured Pakistan, um, which was another, uh, yeah, some good stories there. But I remember uh, I hit one off uh, Damien Wright, went uh, like pretty long straight boundaries there, and I, I, whacked, I whacked Damien Wright over the grandstand down towards where the nets are at Bell Reeve. And I remember Booney, Booney was absolutely pissed himself laughing. So. <laughs> Um, I can certainly remember that game. Uh, that was, I think, I finished up. Just got, I got out just after fifty or whatever. I think um, I got eighty. I think eighty six or eighty seven. Not out. It's my highest score yep. against New South Wales. Yep. Uh, the SCG, which was yeah, again, buddy, ran out of partners. Um, you know, I was back, back with the, back with my captain, uh, Big Tom, and uh, doing the right thing. We put on about, uh, I think we put on pretty close to a hundred, and then they took the second new ball, and he decided to charge the second new ball and get bowled. The best, buddy. <laughs> So, Robbed you of a uh, ton. Yeah, yeah well, well I, I wasn't that many at that stage. So I managed to, We, I think we scored about 150. I batted with uh, Warren Wishart and Stewie McGill after that. I think we managed to eke out another 150. Jeez. And like, you know, Wishy, uh, Wishy couldn't hit him off the square, but he managed to hang around. <laughs> and um, Stewie McGill got a few as well. They got probably, I don't know, might have got 10 or 15 each. And uh, you know you're going well when they push the field out for you to try and get the other blokes on strike. That didn't happen very often. Always a good sign, yep. (laughs) Uh, But probably the the most important innings I played for Western Australia was in the Shield final up at Gabba. So we bowled bowled, uh, Queensland out for about 200, I think maybe just over 200. Uh, They batted first. Uh, We were about 7 for 200. Uh, When I came into bat, um, Simon Caddick had made, I think, nearly 100. Damien Martin had got a few, but the rest of the top order had sort of missed out a bit. There and uh, I was batting with my good mate Brendan, um, and I got to stand at the other end. We put on nearly 100. Uh, I think I managed to noodle about 20, 25, 28, something like that. Um, and we went from sort of being level. If we had got bowled out, the game would have still been, you know, well in the balance. So we were 100. I think we ended up about 130, 140 in front, and we bowled them out for an innings win in the, end in the second inning. So I think they just gave us some momentum. So yeah, really proud of that particular innings in the context of the game. Yeah, absolutely. They're they're the games that you do sort of remember and go, well, might not have been my highest score, but it was definitely my most important. And anybody who's played country cricket and played in a grand final, if you're able to participate and do something like that, they're the special memories definitely that stick around. So that's pretty amazing. Yeah, pretty amazing. All right, well, that was the first delivery. Still got five to come. Um, Who was the hardest batsman that you've ever bowled? At oh, that's a good one. Probably um, in first-class cricket, um, Ricky Ponding and Matthew Elliott were two that we seemed to have trouble with, or I didn't get them out 
all that often, that I can recall. You know, your guys who you can get out, um, like Stewie Law was one I used to get out, Brad Hodge a little bit, you know. So it's funny how you can get some blokes out yeah. and you can't get other guys out for whatever reason. And yep. They used to get a few against us, yeah. And, um, you know, Selim Malik was a very good player um, when I in that series in Pakistan. So yep. Yep. Uh, I did. I managed to knock him over twice in the first test and I got him out in the first innings of the second test and should have him out for about 20 in the... Second innings, uh, Tubby uh, dropped him, and it was 230 runs later when Damien Fleming <laughs> got his hat-trick on debut. So, uh, yeah, it so could have been a different result. That You must have played in pretty much what was the last series in Pakistan. Oh, second last series. So yeah. that was, yeah, 94. They, they toured there in 98, which is when yep. Mark Taylor made the 300. Yeah, that's right. Uh, yep. but that was the last series, yeah. So yeah. hopefully the guys get there. It'd be, uh, yeah, yeah. It's been sad for Pakistan cricket that they haven't had any, uh, any tours, unfortunately. Exactly, yeah. We're hoping that uh, we can see cricket back in Pakistan sometime soon. All right, third delivery. That was a good one. This is this is almost a bit of a um, a selfish question. This one. What's one piece of advice you'd give a fifteen-year-old fast bowler in WA country cricket right now? And you've had Josh, uh, my yep. son. My son's a, a quick left-arm bowler, so a bit yep. of a selfish question. This one, but uh, this is for all fifteen-year-old <laughs> all, all fast bowlers out there. I think it's just uh, basically be. Be as fit and as strong as you can. Yeah. Um, so you can you can you're still going when everyone else is dropping basically because it's it's not always the the best player who gets through, but you've got to be resilient. Um, expect to be sore and all that sort of stuff. So you've got to be physically prepared and be prepared for work and want to bowl because you can't get a wicket if you're not bowling. Great uh, advice. That's the yeah. That's the simple simple uh, way to look at it. Uh, I think that's as good as you're going to get. It's great advice. All right, fourth delivery. If you could do one thing different in your cricket career, what would it be? Oh, I don't know if I would do anything different, really. Um, you know, I think I was in the right place at the right time, a few things. Um, like I said, I would have loved to have played more test matches, but that's out of my control. I don't pick the team. Yeah. So yeah. I kept taking wickets, kept putting my name up there. And um, like I said, very strong era. Uh, I wasn't the only one who didn't play a lot of uh, test cricket. I got four more than a lot of people who never even got one. Yeah, so, yeah. I yep. wouldn't change. I wouldn't change anything, mate. That's a brilliant answer. Uh, love that answer. Uh, all right, we're on the last two deliveries. You're uh, you're smashing me all around the ground at the moment. By the way, um, <laughs> what what's at a, uh, at a strike rate of thirty six? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm gonna get I'm gonna get major fines for that on on Saturday. I reckon <laughs> once the, this comes out about but sledging you for your strike rate. Um, what do Australia need to do to win this summer's Ashes? What, are they in a position to do it, do you think? You know, everyone's sort of rate, rating that they'll be the, the favourites? Yeah, I think so. I mean, the side's definitely capable. Um, obviously, the distractions of recent weeks haven't helped. Um, it's yeah. probably helped England just take a bit of heat off them. Um, probably a bit of pressure on them as well. Uh, but they've been able to pretty well do their preparation sort of uh, without any spotlight on them. So yep. that may ramp up a bit this week. But... I think Australia can definitely win. Um, we just hope. I think it'll be. I think it'll be a pretty tight contest. I don't think it'll be a, a blitzkrieg or anything like that. Um, like I said, they're a, they're a well-drilled side. England, a lot of experienced cricketers there. Um, but yeah, hopefully we can get on the right side of the ledger. Yeah, no, really looking forward to it, and hopefully some sort of normality with sport this summer after the last summer where we kind of just was guessing every week whether there was going to be a game of cricket or not, especially at the international level. So, yeah, it's just yeah, good to so feel hope, as though there might be something. They, uh, 
hopefully we get a test match, but I'm not holding my breath. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. yeah we'll it's see, see what happens. Looking, looking not too, not too uh, good at this point, but we'll keep crossing no. fingers and everything like that. All right, we're on the sixth delivery. There's, I've got no chance of getting you out. I don't reckon because you're smashing me everywhere. What, but what do I need to win? You, you, you need, uh, you need a, you need a six to win. But uh, well, I'm pretty I'm confident. Going, I'm, I'm, I'm going downtown. Yeah. <laughs> well, we're playing at Bell Reeve right now, so I reckon you're okay. a good chance. Um, yeah. Pretty easy question, I reckon. What What is it through your journey that you love most about seeing in West Australian regional cricket? What, what's What's the sort of things that make you smile about WA cricket, uh, WA country cricket? Yeah, the people you meet. So, you know, they, they enjoy the fact that you're there. Um, like I said, because I've got that sort of bit of a background myself, I think I know, uh, you know, you don't get access to players and, you know, facilities and all that sort of stuff. You've got to do... I remember I had this discussion with uh, with Yobby from the Wacker and he said, look, the country kids have probably got to do twice as much as what the city kids have got to do mm. because they're not seen, you know what I mean? Mm. So, you know, if someone scores 100, the country kids probably got to score 200. So mm. to get noticed. Um, so, yeah, just the people, you know, they're generally uh, happy to see that, happy to have your help and whatever assistance you can give. So, and it's uh, it's good for me. So, I, uh, yeah, probably good for my ego a little bit as well. But, uh, yeah, just... I just like uh, the game's been fantastic to me. I still get to do so much travel, and you know, it's one of the things I say to my boys now. Look, I said well, I haven't played for you know 25 years, but I still get to do trips and yeah. all this sort of stuff, and get a bit of pocket money for doing it, which is uh, which is good. Well, Joe, I've got to tell you, on behalf of WA Country Cricket, we're bloody pleased that you're so willing, mate, because uh, I've seen I've seen what you've done. You go about it without a lot of pomp and ceremony. You just get it done. Uh, I saw you down in Bunbury the other week. I saw you monster a uh, pork belly at the Rose Hotel too, <laughs> like it wasn't standing. It was a pretty good effort, that one. Mate, I, I love, I've loved every minute of this. I, I'm pretty certain the listeners will have as well. Uh, the effort you've gone to to join me today has been huge, I'll tell the listeners. It's been a journey to, to get, get this uh, interview. But, mate, thank you for everything you're doing for WA Country Cricket. We really appreciate it. We're... Uh, Pretty hopeful that you'll hang around for a while yet and continue to invest in kids like Josh and uh, other kids that I know that you've been working with. We really appreciate it and thank you for your time today on Out on the Paddock. Pleasure. Uh, I love, uh, like I said, if I can help one kid somewhere along the way on their journey, then uh, then it's been a success. So, and, uh, like I said, same for the coaches and so forth. So, yeah, I, uh, I enjoy doing it. It's not, uh, I don't consider it hard work, put it that way. Thanks, Joe. What a legend. Thanks, Joe, for joining us on this episode and for the amazing journey you have just taken us on through your career. And to Chris, Angel, and to Steve for also keeping us abreast of all things WA regional cricket in this episode, we want to thank you too. So join us again soon, folks, on episode four of Out on the Paddock.